The views and opinions expressed by guests in the Discover America podcast did not necessarily reflect the views of Prince Nestor. Celebration tonight here in Oakland. And now Golden State can dribble it out. There it is. Redemption for Golden State. One of the great playoff runs of all time is complete. Folks, the Oracle Arena was filled to capacity. Fans had turned up in large numbers to defend their backyard. And the stage was set for the big match between Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Don't blame the commentator. He had turned emotional for a reason. And next... He uttered the words that shattered my heart forever. He was like, Golden State of the 2017 champions. <laughs> I think I'm quite off as far as the American accent is concerned right there. But anyway, <laughs> don't mind it at all, alright? Discover America Sports episode kicks off in style. I wanna discover the good, the bad, and the ugly in regards to the American sports as I draw a comparison to what happens in the Kenyan sports. I'm gonna be joined by sports enthusiast Paul Mitchell, Professor Matt Wolf, and my producer Garrett Hushberg, all from the University of Nevada, Reno. And we'll be talking about boxing, basketball, American football, soccer and controversies that have engulfed the American sports. Welcome. Fasten your seatbelt, sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm Prince Nesta. On Discover America with Prince Nesta. sports definitely baseball basketball and football those are my top three why would you say those are your favorite sports to watch uh, I grew up watching baseball all my life my dad's a huge Cardinals fan uh, he grew up in southern Illinois so I, I got to represent the Cardinals you know I played basketball all throughout my childhood so I've always been a fan of the sport but football just recently I started watching it a lot more since I played in high school my favorite sports I would have to say definitely basketball I love football um, American or Americano uh... football and soccer or football as I'd prefer nope. to call it. Why are you fans of these sports? I'd say I'm a fan of I mean, basketball mostly just because uh, that's what I played all my life, and uh, it was my favorite sport growing up. And then football, obviously. like uh, My family's a big football family, so uh, I was always surrounded by, you know, history of football and the 49ers and their glory days of the 80s. That's what my dad would always talk about that. I'm a mixture. I probably like to watch basketball the most because I understand it the best. And then probably I like watching soccer. But basketball is probably my favorite. And, you know, I've tried to learn football, but I never really played football, so I have no idea there. It makes it more difficult for me to, like, really follow a game or to, to get too involved. That's my producer Garrett Hushback trying to find out on the streets what kinds of sports Americans subscribe to. But right now, 
I've got very important guests in studio. I'll let you guys introduce yourself and you'll also tell me where your passion for sports comes from. Let's start with you, Garrett. Hi, I'm Garrett Hirschberg. I am a host of a podcast and radio show called Pack Center. We focus on Nevada athletics and you can catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Wolfpack Radio. My name is Paul Mitchell and uh, I recruit students for the uh, journalism department here at the University of Nevada and I also teach in the journalism department. I mean, I participate in an all sports uh, it was expected growing up that you would participate in sports so especially growing up in philadelphia that's where i'm from mm-hmm. so you were baseball soccer what position exactly did you play in basketball uh, uh guard okay. guard and i was a quarterback and yeah. defensive in high school then what happened to your career you didn't join the nba or no the NFL. no <laughs> no uh what i did was pursued academics you know because academics is going to carry you long after your athletic ability has failed you i am dr merton running wolf i am uh, a professor and assistant professor here at the reynolds school of journalism in race and media i was a college scholarship athlete i um, played for western michigan university which is a division one a school i also was um, a boxer in my youth my mother is actually one of the first professional female boxing judges that actually is in the United States. Um, her name is Lillian Running Wolf. And yeah, I kind of have a history of going back. And she kept us busy in all kinds of athletics and sports as well. Thanks so much for coming, guys. You guys have got such a perfect sports resume. Let me shoot my first question. What's the most popular sport in the United States? I know that the National Football League dominated our sports broadcast, but I think that's changing now. I think at least the last report that I saw is viewership is way, way down for the NFL. There was talk even before the whole Kaepernick situation that uh, the NFL was losing market share. And the NFL has been talking about actually taking folks into the locker room during halftime, watching coaching adjustments being made, that kind of stuff. And they're also losing it because people, you know, you got a 75-inch screen at, at the house. Mm-hmm. And you can sit there and you can eat and your beer is a lot cheaper. <laughs> and you can go right down the hall to the bathroom, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things I think are really important as you look at the experience. I mean, tickets are really expensive. And, you know, it's not just getting one ticket. It's getting tickets for you and your, your spouse and your kids. And they got to eat. You can't bring food into the stadium. You know, they it's a captive audience and it's expensive. So I think those things have also contributed to football being on the decline. I think with football, it's now becoming heavily commercialized um, because, let's see, you score a touchdown, commercial. You kick the extra point, commercial. Kickoff, commercial. Like basketball, you can have uh, action on every single play. While you get a play, it might not do anything, like an incomplete pass. Thir- yeah. You wait 30 seconds. And then you get the next play. I think basketball is on the up and up on becoming the most popular sport in America. And you know, when the NFL ratings are down massively, massively, the NFL ratings are down massively. Now, the number one reason happens to be that they like watching what's happening on, you know, with your screen. They like what's happening. This, because, you know, today, if you hit too hard, right, they hit too hard, 15 yards, throw him out of the game. They had that last week. I watched for a couple of minutes. And two guys just really beautiful tackle. Boom, 15 yards. The referee gets on television. His wife is sitting at home. She's so proud of him. They're ruining the game. Right? They're ruining the game. Hey, look, that's what they want to do. They want to hit. 
Okay? They want to hit. But, but it is hurting the game. But you know what's hurting the game more than that? When people like yourselves turn on television and you see those people taking the knee when they're playing our great national anthem. The only thing you could do better is if you see it, even if it's one player, leave the stadium. I guarantee things will stop. Things will stop. Just pick up and leave. Pick up and leave. Not the same game anymore, anyway. That's the president of the United States talking about why NFL ratings are going down. And guys, I want to get down deep into an issue that has always been in the media. Some African-American players prefer kneeling down when the national anthem is being played. What's your view on this? Well, what I'm seeing with the president and, and folks who are of that ilk are people who really don't understand the challenges of, of people who aren't as fortunate. I don't know if it's really so much a race issue as I think it is a class issue. I think a lot of folks don't understand the differences between race and class. I think what what a lot of the athletes are saying now is that there are people who are disproportionately getting killed. And that's a problem. It's not so much about the national anthem. It's about the fact that people are dying senselessly. Adding on to that, I think one thing that is very under, underutilized is an athlete's voice. Like the, like the Fox News anchor who told LeBron James to just shut up and dribble. And you see LeBron James and Steph Curry go after President Trump for not agreeing with it. That's one thing. And these are like, you look at him like, we have a right for freedom of speech. And they are, they are using whatever platform they choose, whether it is the kneeling for the national anthem, going on TV and talking, t using Twitter uh, to basically say their own uh, beliefs. In it. And people are like attacking them, like saying stick to sports when... They're, they're human beings. Like they have a they have a right to to say something if something's wrong with the country or something's wrong with anything. Well, I I agree with everything that Gary just said, but the the, the problem is is that the voices of African Americans and, and and I would say all people of color have been undermined because they don't have the same economic prosperity that many whites have. And because, you know, so you look at it and go, okay, so who talks for a lot of the black community? It's a lot of times it's entertainers and it's athletes. This disconnect between, you know, folks who work all week and they're thinking, you know, all I want to do is sit at home on Sunday and watch my game. I don't want politics in my game. And then you have other folks who are black and brown who are getting shot in the street for nothing who don't have the economic clout that some of the other other folks have, and they see the injustices in their neighborhoods. And, and I think this conversation over um, President Trump's response to it is Trump came in and then kind of like appropriated the conversation to be about him against the players. And so it became Donald Trump versus the players. And it, we completely lost touch of what the real issue is, which is, that black men are dying at the hands of police officers. Mm. And that really is what the protest is about, which is actually what this country is founded on, this idea of resistance and sticking up for an unjust government system. Mm -hmm. And so that's truly what this, what this was about. But then the president came in, and because he is this media kind of, he's very good at manipulating the media, he made it about him versus the athletes. And this then became this stance that was, you know, this pro-Trump thing versus, you know, the athletes. And it beca mm -hmm. that became the main focus of it. And the sad thing is that when you do have, 
you know, commentators like Fox News that come in and they just shut up and dribble. It reduces again the black man to a servant just designed to give me entertainment. You're, you're only a servant. You were in place to give me entertainment, so just shut up and give me my entertainment. Give me the service that you're supposed to be giving me. And we don't care that you are actually a human being that is interested in some of these other things that are going on. We're proud of our country. We respect our flag. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag? To say, get that son of off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired! instrumentation is so good so powerful i'm telling you welcome back dear listener your own discover america with prince nesta i'm prince nesta and right now i'm trying to discover the good the bad and the ugly in regards to american sports and i'm joined in studio by individuals who've got powerful resumes as far as sports is concerned I'm in studio with Garrett Hashberg, who's a sports podcaster. I'm also joined with Professor Wolf and Professor Paul Mitchell, who are both professors here at the University of Nevada, Reno. Now, before I shoot my next question, my producer Garrett Hashberg actually hit the streets just to find out some of the most controversial issues as far as American sport is concerned. This is what people had to say. During the NFL season, I mean, I'm a very patriotic man. I love my country. But uh, seeing the people have their right to free speech and kneeling uh, before the anthem, I find it offensive. But it's their freedom of speech and freedom of protest. But that's not really my uh, opportunity to call out on them. I feel like I can say anything I want to say against them, but it's not my, I can't really do anything about it. It's more about the the owners of the teams and the teams uh, themselves that can change that. The things that I see as being the most important to address right now are the issues in football with concussions, because if that sport is really going to even stay around, they've got to figure out some way to deal with the concussion problem, because both people won't want to put their kids into it, and in the future, people are going to stop watching it. I mean, just this year, my dad stopped watching football because he was like, if they know that, you know, 99% of football players have concussions, I can't be supporting the sport anymore. But outside of that, I would also say that for me, the another big issue is that NCAA and just that college athletes are not adequately compensated for their participation in sports. I think that that's a huge issue. I think it's insane. They make so much money off these college athletes and their images and the college athletes. All they get to say is they get a quote unquote free education out of the deal. I would say just because I know basketball the best, I would say tanking. Tanking in, in basketball is pretty big. Like NBA Finals, like the Warriors and Cavs played three straight years in the finals. That just shows you how dominant two teams can be because that's never happened in any other sport. So, Well, let's get back to the crux of the matter. And I want to direct a question to you, Paul. I have seen teams such as the Golden State Warriors decline an invitation to the White House. Has this ever happened before, and what's your opinion on this matter? I don't think it's happened in any other administration. Most administrations have extended invitations to professional sports franchises, but I don't think anyone has ever turned someone down. 
Um, my personal opinion as an African-American male is they're justified in their protests. As someone who grew up in the 60s who would go um, to visit relatives in, in the South, you knew that it was once you crossed Virginia, it was pretty dicey. You couldn't stop and eat anywhere. You couldn't go to the bathroom in some places. Okay, So, you know, growing up in that era and you see police officers, there's legacy of police officers and, and this legacy of policing in this country has basically been born out of folks who were connected with the Ku Klux Klan and other entities that were not favorable to people of color. Because of that, we still see this legacy of folks who, who take these positions and basically take their power into their own hands. And because of that, that's why you have the protest. And I think that, you know, when we think about what sport and, the, and what the function of it is, is it's supposed to be this kind of like ritual coming together of community and through athletic competition that we actually, and this is kind of like the Olympic ideal, which is to try to create a more unified world or unified society through athletic competitions that was supposed to bring bring us together in this very ritualized sense and we have this president now that is about self-promotion and i think it's really interesting to say you know what no i'd rather not be part of the celebration of the self the celebration of the individual at the cost of everything else well i also think that and and no disrespect to the president or castigation against his administration but i look at a lot of them and and when you look historically you had folks who were athletes who got into politics. I'm thinking of Bill Bradley. He played at Princeton. He played for the New York Knicks. And he was involved in athletics. And if you look at this current administration, there's no one who's really an athlete. Trump <laughs> looks like an athlete. Uh, <laughs> well, his hands are too small. He couldn't catch a bat. He couldn't catch anything. fascinate Kenyans back in the days is Mike Tyson. And guys, I want to switch this over to you. Who do you guys think is actually the best boxer of all time? Muhammad Ali. <laughs> the, the things that Muhammad Ali could do. There's, there's no one other than maybe Floyd Mayweather. He has that natural ability. But Muhammad Ali, the things that he could do in a, in a boxing ring. There's one clip where there's a guy who throws like 30 or 40 punches and he ducks them all. The guy doesn't even touch him. <laughs> doesn't even touch him. Did he just find a weak fighter, uh, you know? <laughs> oh, he, he was the kind of guy, no. He was the kind of guy who would say, you know, I'm going to knock this guy out in yeah. X round, and he would do it. But Tyson, and, Tyson could do the same too. 
Tyson Tyson could do the same, but Tyson didn't have the natural gifts that Muhammad Ali did. Tyson could hit hard. He'd hit really hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue your point three for three. Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time. But I think what makes boxing an interesting sport is one punch can end it. Like what happened, Buster Douglas knocked out Tyson. It was one punch is all you need. I think Floyd Mayweather is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Being able to get to 50 fights in general, going 50 and 0, and he developed a certain style of boxing where just he he fought a defensive style. People are often criticizing him that our fights are boring. Sure, there are boring, but you got to think about it from his perspective. Yeah. He doesn't want to get hit. He and he wins fights. I would say 49, though. I mean, they're the crazy McGregor. <laughs> I, I don't think that was a boxing fight, really. <laughs> well, I think that you know they, that kind of like idea that is it's a boring you know event to watch. But I also think about the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, who a lot of people made that same criticism. Too. They won. They just won, and they and the and the year that they won the championship, they were boring, and people were like, "Oh, it's boring to watch them." Well, yeah. they didn't care about being not boring. They were just like, "We're just winning," and I think that Floyd Mayweather did the same thing. I think that Tyson, though, he did have like the, the power, and that seemed to be yeah. his game. But you know, Muhammad Ali came back and won the heavyweight championship multiple times. And again, like Jordan for basketball, he had to keep switching up his game depending on his opponent and everything else. He was a smart, smart fighter. I think that Mike Tyson, you know, used his intimidation factor a lot because he did. He, he was he was a powerful fighter. Yeah. But I think that the one thing that Evander Holyfield you know, kind of keyed into with him is if you could stop that kind of bull rush really soon, stop the left hook. If you watch that first fight with Evander Holyfield, he stops that left hook and then went to work and and just picked him apart really, really quickly because that was kind of like, not to call Mike just a a one-trick pony, but that was the thing that kind of was the linchpin in, in his strategy was start everything off with that left hook and then just overpower them from there. Well, those are my guests' opinion. But what do you think? Who's the greatest boxer of all time? Garrett actually hit the streets just to find out what you guys think. And this is what people had to say. Who would you say is the greatest boxer of all time? Well, it depends on the weight class you're talking about. I mean, of all time, I would say Muhammad Ali, but I mean, there's also Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather in there. My opinion wouldn't be very good on this, you know. I mean, Muhammad Ali's kind of the go-to there. People who know more about it than me say Ali, so I'd go with Ali. Who would you say is the greatest boxer of all time? Oh, buddy. I mean, I, I may be biased, but, uh, you know, I'm Filipino, so I got to say Manny Pacquiao. Why, why do you say Manny Pacquiao? Because he's Filipino, man. I mean, at one point, he was the best pound-for-pound pound fighter. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Sydney Cleveland Cavaliers! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. 1 to 100. My oh my, what a tense moment at that particular time in the 1989 playoffs. And that was the shot. And it was the last three minutes of Bulls versus Cavaliers series, right? And Chicago Bulls actually managed to win that particular game and proceed to the next level. And so. Who do you guys consider as the greatest basketballer of all time? Will Chamberlain. It's not even close. Will Chamberlain is the greatest athlete to ever play basketball. I mean, I know a lot of people say, well, it's Michael Jordan. He did this. Will Chamberlain wasn't on TV like um, Michael Jordan was on TV. Okay. Will Chamberlain was seven feet one. I mean, this man scored 100 points in one game. 
he averaged 50 points a game. Averaged, okay? A lot of the records, pretty much anything in basketball, it always goes to Will Chamberlain. The second greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. Well, he won six straight championships. He's undefeated in championships. Michael Jordan, some of the things that he could do on the court have never really been duplicated. I'm going to go with Michael Jordan. I think what makes what made him such a great basketball player was his mentality. He had a killer's mentality. Game was on the line. You knew who was getting the ball, and you could not stop him. He, he was such, such a great clutch player. Mm. And as Paul mentioned, the 6-for-6 six six, uh, in the finals, which is impressive but also one thing I think that made him really great was his defense like kind of went undershadowed because he played played alongside Scottie Pippen and so I think he was a ferocious player both on offense and defense I really wish I would have seen Will play (laughs) for me for what I witnessed was Michael Jordan watching him and the way that he approached the game on the mental side of things but I also think that his big adjustment of so he played to certain thing and then retired after his father passed but he also knew because Detroit the Detroit Pistons were beating the crap out of him physically that he had to change his game. And so he had to come back bigger in order to take this on. So he was always thinking. It wasn't just his athletic ability, but his his ability to adjust not only from game to game, Mm. but from season to season. And so when he came back after he took the time off to go away and play professional baseball, his ability to change his game and his body, I thought, wow, this is an incredible person who is dedicated to figuring out and mastering his sport. And he also played during the Showtime era. So he's playing against Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, who are great players. And, And and, and the argument could be made that these are some of the best players also that were, that were there, and they deserve real consideration. Bean looking to the yeah. front court. Here's LeBron. James yeah. off. fire. Ball game. He did it. LeBron James wins it for Cleveland. That's LeBron James with the ridiculous block and buzzer beater combo against the Timberwolves, all right, and so... That clip is courtesy of the ESPN YouTube account. And, guys, I've got a lot of friends of mine who actually think that LeBron James is the best player of all time. What do you guys think? LeBron is a great player. But but there's, you know, when I say Will Chamberlain is the greatest player, there were rules that were changed in basketball because Will Chamberlain was so dominant. Three seconds in the lane was because of Will Chamberlain. The dunk shot wasn't even allowed because of Will Chamberlain. LeBron is great all around. He can guard positions one through five on the court. Uh, And seeing what his game has developed as uh, coming into the league as a player who primarily would drive the basketball and and seeing that now he's developed as like he's turning into a point guard. He's also developed a jumper. But I also feel like it's very hard to deem him one of the best players in the world ever while he's still playing, which because like you you normally evaluate this stuff after like his career is done, and we don't know how many more years LeBron has left. He's uh, in his early 30s. He might just stop playing like and then within the next couple of years. I see what you mean, but I don't really agree with the analogy because there are few players who are still playing and they're considered greatest of all time. I'll point out Roger Federer, for instance, who's considered the greatest player of all time as far as tennis is concerned, and he's still playing. But anyway, moving on to a different thing. In Kenya, we've got certain places where specific athletes will tend to come from. The marathon athletes who've conquered the world tend to come from the highlands in the Rift Valley in Kenya. Is it the same here in the United States? When you look at um, a lot of basketballs played in inner city areas, and a lot of baseball, uh, even though 
there's been an increase in the number of folks who are of color who are playing baseball. It's it's mainly viewed as as an old man's game. It's slow. It's not as you know basketball is very quick. It's very fast. And so you know Philadelphia has great basketball players. Well, New York has great basketball players too. And depending on where you are regionally that has a lot to do with it as well. But I also think a lot of it has to do with environmental. So during the winters, one of the reasons why I think that a lot of Native American reservations are so strong in basketball, and you know, this is a, it's a tragedy that people are not aware of what's going on with Native American tribal basketball and, and, and what the phenomenon is going on there. But it's because a lot of the tribes are indoors during the heavy winters. And because they're indoors during heavy winters and they want to do something, basketball then becomes one of the things that they can. And a lot of the money that goes to reservations is for their community centers or for their recreation centers. So they all have basketball hoops that are set up. So the kids are indoors because it's cold and there's snow outside. And they have these these monies that are coming in for recreational and community centers. And so they're able to play basketball. And the culture that that has created around that phenomenon rivals any other athletic culture. Location is such a big part of what sports are played in this country because you look at like California where it's sunny 300 days out of year, baseball is huge. And you look at like the south part of this, uh, the country, football is huge. High school Texas football is so big, they've made movies and TV shows on it. And it, it's where a good amount of like the national recruits are from. And looking at big cities, it's more of basketball because you look at big cities, there's not a lot of room where you can put like a football field. And like basketball courts are just part of like parks in general. So mm. definitely growing up in Los Angeles, there were a good amount of baseball fields and basketball courts and less so of football fields. Yeah, I was going to say in Philly, where I grew up, a lot of folks would just take like a milk crate. You take a milk crate, you put it on the telephone pole, that's your, that's your hoop. You take your ball. You go and you start dribbling. And then, isn't that <laughs> actually how shooting. basketball was invented? Was like a, yes, a, a teacher, like yeah, nailed a peach peach basket up on right. on the side of the wall, and that oh. became like yeah. And it was actually a woman's sport, mm-hmm. or it was directed for women, for women. It, initially. Yeah. That it was uh, that, and then it evolved into the game that we know now. Hmm. I must admit that I didn't know that, but well, at least I'm learning a lot as far as Discover America with Prince Nesta podcast is concerned. Well, let's take a break. But before that, Garrett actually hit the streets just to find out who Americans consider the greatest basketball player of all time. This was some of the views. Greatest of all time. Uh, that's really, really tough because I'd probably say I'm slightly in the minority. I think that, you know, obviously MJ, he always gets brought up and he's probably the one that everybody kind of goes to. I think that he was really great. I think he was a good basketball player and I think he was impressive. But I probably would say for me, Wilt Chamberlain was... I mean, he averaged 50 points and 20 rebounds in a season. I I don't even understand how you can do that. I know it's a different time and like everybody was probably way shorter than him, but that puts him above to me in terms of greatest basketball player personally. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time and why? Oh, dude. Oh, man. Oh, it's, it's, I'm going to say MJ, Michael Jordan. Okay. Why? There's such an easy answer. It's such a basic answer, but uh, you, you can't beat six for six, man. Like whoever he played in the finals, he beat him within six games like he only went six games he never went to a game seven so when i think about that and when i think about obvious contenders like magic lebron or bird they lost they're still great players don't get me wrong hall of fame for sure but nobody can say six for six he finished them whoever it was he finished them who is the greatest basketball player of all time 
Oh, LeBron James, easily. Why do you say LeBron? He makes everyone better. Every team he's on, they always go to the playoffs. There's no debate on if he's going to be on the playoffs or not. The only debate is, is he going to make the finals? I mean, 2007, when he went to the finals, he got swept by the Spurs. Yeah, he was the only good player on his team, but he took a bag of sour chips and some mayonnaise to the finals. That's all he took. You don't know anyone on that team. I mean, ever since then... He just dominates the entire league. He's been the only large name in the news since uh, he came in the league. Just from watching his games, watching how he expands the floor and what he does with what he does with the teammates and how he changes the offense and defense. To me, he's the best player. Such amazing beats playing right here on Discover America with Prince Nesta. I'm Prince Nesta, and I'm trying to find out the good, the bad, and the ugly in regards to American sport. Well, I'm joined in studio right now with sports podcaster Garrett Hushberg. I'm also joined with Professor Wolf and Professor Paul Michel, who are both professors here at the University of Nevada, Reno. And guys, there has been some controversy about Native American mascots. Some people actually think that they are so offensive. And Professor Matt, you're a Native American. Could you please tell me what is this all about? Yeah, so there have been many, many sports teams, and this became a tradition that were named after American Indian icons, or the at least the imagery of that. So we have the Washington Redskins, the Cleveland Indians, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the list goes on and on. And this actually started to inform also um, college athletics. And so for many, many years, many, many generations, it was thought, well, these are just honoring gestures or there's no big deal to it. And then they started to do actual real psychological studies into the impact of what these mascots have on Native American youth and non-Native youth. With Native American youth, they started to see that even when Native American youth liked it, but what they started to realize when they would look deeper into this problem is that those same people would feel low self-esteem. They would look at their communities as not as having less worth. And then they would also see their hopes for the future, their aspirations for the future, something called achievement-related possible selves, was being declined. But for the non-Native fan, the non-Native person who was exposed to that same imagery or that same mascot, it all reversed. So their self-esteem went up, their community worth, their belief in their community worth went up, and their achievement-related possible selves, their hopes for the future went up. What happened was that report was released to the NCAA, which is the governing body for college athletics, and they said that you need to get rid of your sports mascots that look at Native American iconography, which caused a big controversy. But then this started to lead to the professional realm as well. And recently we had the Cleveland Indians who have resigned or retired the Chief Wahoo Mm. uh, moniker that they've done. And so the big one, though, is what does it mean then when when we have the Washington, D.C., the capital of uh, of this country that embraces the name Redskins, which some dictionaries define as a racial slur. So it's still a a hot-button topic that has to do with how this country values its indigenous people. You know, it's also when you look at early television and movies and and African-Americans and the way that they're depicted, too. When you look back at movies in the 30s and the 40s, what you see is um, there are negative connotations for African-Americans. A lot of those movie roles were maids or butlers and they're people who are less educated and that's the that's the early depiction of are you hopeful that things are going to change someday as far as this oh they will they will they, they will they will change it's just when what will it take for it to change 
there are many like legal battles and there are many kind of like public relation battles that are happening right now. And eventually those will, will, will win out. But right now it may sadly take people dying off that hold on to these ways of convoluting a horrible history with mm. saying that that's tradition, which is a really sad commentary. Lastly, is there any kind of advice that you'd like to give Kenyans or Africans in general as a continent in order to fix or get their housing order as far as sports is concerned? I just think continue the grind. I think you got to continue your work and your craft. And it's like, especially rich athletes are good at their sport. And they continued that grind. They're out every day practicing. And looking at it from a 2018 like digital media world, all you need is like video of something no one else has done. Find something that makes you special and good. Mine. Yeah, I think that um, we're pulled toward athletic competitions because it does build community. Build a, a stronger fan base that is based on what actually people are wanting from watching sports and, and how then we can start to think about how do we provide our fans a better experience so that they are willing to pay for it. I think back on the, the first dream team that played and they played Africa and I remember they basically beat them by like 40 points and I and I looked at that and you could see the the gross disparity when you looked at them when you looked at the Africans versus the dream team you could see physically that the dream team was much bigger and stronger I'm looking now that gap was closing precipitously so as I look at that and I see the closing of that gap I'm also thinking, okay, this the next two generations, three generations, they're going to be right there at, <laughs> at the same level. I'm also looking on the other side where, and then I think that I'm hoping that African nations will really understand is that they need to control their economy. That means get people in positions of general manager positions, ownership. I think that those kinds of things are going to lead us into the next generation and, and so forth. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, guys, for coming. I've really learned a lot. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. It was fun to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, that's how we roll each and every time on Discover America with Prince Nesta. We are always here to entertain, inform, and educate at the same time. I gotta send shout-outs to my producer, Garrett Hashberg. Thanks for joining me in this episode and also for collecting the very interesting soundbites. Shuttles going out to my executive producer, Nico Columban. Thank you. This episode was edited and hosted by yours truly, Prince Nesta. For more information, follow me on Facebook at Prince Nesta, on Twitter at Prince Nesta, and on Instagram at Prince Nesta Radio. Take care for me till we meet again, alright? Bye.